and welcome everyone good morning uh to my show the john kirkland show it's actually a kind of a cold morning uh but right now i'm gonna get into boxing uh, boxing is back so far between that and ufc is the only sports we've seen on tv and i kind of want to get into a few different aspects of boxing and I wrote a post on my page where I talked about uh, how boxing is a business. And to me, boxing, the fact that they put a lot more business aspects into making the fight, I think is what's making boxing not as exciting as it could be, uh, just my personal opinion. But I think that when you look at the divisions, I think that it's time to make fights within the divisions. So if the big names are not going to fight, then what about the bottom half of the division? What about maybe the top 15? Somebody out of the top 15. What about somebody out of the top 10? What about, you know, maybe even letting the top 15 fight maybe somebody at the bottom half of the top 25? Um, Then you also got to look at what about those that are the up-and-coming fighters? Uh, I did post on... Uh, Facebook, I talked about some of the fights that I would love to see in 2021. Fights that are definitely interesting to me. Uh, one of the fights that I would like to see would be in the featherweight division at 126 would be uh, the WBO champion Shakur Stevenson versus Gary Russell. Um, somebody said that Gary Russell would get worked. I don't think so. I think Shakur Stevens is a great fighter. I think Shakur Stevens is going to push Gary Russell uh, for sure. Uh, But I think Gary Russell has a lot more experience. I think Gary Russell has been fighting people and he has won decisively. And if he doesn't get a big fight, Gary Russell is going to move up in weight. So if that fight does not happen, Shakur Stevenson is not going to fight Gary Russell because Gary Russell is going to move up in weight. He's not going to sit around at 126 after he's been dominating. He's not going to sit back and wait for Shakur Stevenson to figure out what he's going to do. I think it's too early for Shakur Stevenson to fight Gary Russell, but I'm talking about in terms of skill, matchup, exciting boxing. This is the fight that you want to see at that weight class. Um, If you look at the junior lightweights, uh, Leo Santa Cruz versus Jamel Herring, I would like to see that, and that's at the 130. Uh, That would be at the 130. And then um, you got... But Leo, but but just to add, uh, Gary Russell is supposed to fight Leo Santa Cruz. But what it comes down to is, at what fight, at what weight are they gonna fight at? Is the question. Do they? Does Leo? Does Gary Russell move up, which would be the 130? Or does Gary Russell say, you know what? I'll move up, but if Leo Santa Cruz is not fair and Leo Santa Cruz decides to move to 135, how much does that change? Then I'm hearing different rumors where Javante Davis is supposed to fight Leo Santa Cruz next. Now, how does that work out? Does Javante Davis go back to 130? Or does Leo Santa Cruz move up to 135? Or do they fight at a catch weight? There's so many different scenarios and aspects that these fights could go in. But at junior lightweights, I would love to see Leo Santa Cruz versus Jamel Herring. Uh, the WBA versus WBO. Maybe we could see maybe a unification fight at the junior lightweights once we find out a clear-cut winner in that fight. 
Uh, the lightweight 135, Javante uh, Davis versus Lomachenko, which I think will be a unification fight at that point because I believe uh, Loma is going to go ahead and beat uh, Lopez uh, for the IBF title. And so now you're talking about the WBA, WBO, and IBF um, uh, lightweight 135 unification uh, for Javante Davis. I believe that fight will happen. Uh, for, the junior, for the junior welterweights at 140, Josh Taylor and Jose Ramirez. Now that's going to be a unification bout if they fight because both fighters have all the belts. So both fighters have two belts between them. So I see that as a unification bout. Also, uh, at welterweight 147, uh, I would like to see Terrence Crocker against uh, Ugas, and I would like to see Manny Pacquiao versus Earl Spence. Um, there's going to be a lot of questions with the Manny Pacquiao and Earl Spence fight uh, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, Spence got into an accident, so we don't know if we're going to get the Earl Spence that we're accustomed to. Plus, if you look at Spence's last fight, um, he he I thought it was a draw. I really thought it was a draw. I thought that um, he overlooked to some degree. He overlooked um, Sean Porter and. Uh, with him not taking a tune-up fight, that could work against um, Earl Spence. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Um, I'm not saying that there's going to be a clear-cut winner. I also think what has Manny Pacquiao favored is his experience. I think experience plays a major key. And I think at times, as boxing fans, we forget that. You know, we're looking at a person's age and not looking at his skill. If you're still, if you're 40 years old and you're still fighting at the level of 20, 21 years old, I mean, come on, come on. It's, it's, it's difficult. It's really difficult. Now, everyone's entitled to their opinion. I respect that. And, but I understand why the opinion was made. Absolutely. I understand why the opinion was made for sure. Welterweight division, Terrence Crawford versus Ugas. I think Ugas would push Crawford. I think Ugas would push Crawford. Ugas is tough. Sean Porter struggled with Ugas. Tough. That's a tough boy over there. I think a lot of people keep overlooking him, um, but that, that's a tough guy over there. Um, I think it would be somewhat of a challenge for Terrence Crawford, but ultimately I think Terrence Crawford would beat him, for sure. The junior middleweights. And I got a lot of, um, well, not junior middleweight, but junior middleweights, this is what I want to see. The WBC champion, Jamel Charlo versus uh, Gian Rosario. Rosario has the IBF and WBA, and Jamel has the WBC. That can turn into a unification belt at the junior middleweight division. That would be great. That would be a great deal. At the middleweight division, I would love to see this. This just makes at the, I think at this point in boxing between both fighters, I think it just makes sense right now. Jamal Jamal Charlo, the WBC champion, versus Canelo, the WBA regular uh, middleweight champion. I would like to see that fight. I believe that Jamal would push Canelo for sure, no doubt about it. But ultimately, the dominance would go with Canelo. I think Canelo would dominate the fight in the later rounds because of his experience. And I think this would be great for Jamal because 
Jamal hasn't had the opportunity to fight somebody like a Canelo Alvarez. Um, somebody came at me and said, well, what about Triple G? The, the bottom line is he would kill Triple G. There, I mean, that's not even topic of conversation. Jamal would kill Triple G. I'm letting you know right now. That's why Triple G don't want to fight uh, Jamal. Jamal has called out Triple G many times. He does not want to fight him. When you talk about the super middleweight, Billy Joe Saunders versus Caleb Plant, that would be a good fight at 168. The WBO versus the IBF, that would be a great fight. And the reason why I didn't really too much talk about the heavyweight division, because I believe that the heavyweight division is already is already what it is. So when you look at the heavyweight division, who else are people interested in fighting other than people like uh, Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder, and Tyson Fury? What those three, if you look at it, that's it. And no matter how you look at it, whether it's Fury Joshua, whether it's Fury Wilder, whether it's Wilder Joshua, no matter how you look at it, that's that's the only fights that people are interested in seeing. No one's interested in seeing Dylan White. No one's interested in seeing nothing else. So unless one of those guys are going to step up and fight whoever out of those three and actually beats one of them, then it, it's not going to matter. So that's why one of the reasons why I didn't talk about the heavyweight division. Um, there's been a couple of questions. I had somebody ask me, what would it take for Manny Pacquiao to fight Triple G? Well, that's a good question. Um, what would it take? It would take Manny Pacquiao to move up in weight. So Manny Pacquiao would have to move up from 147 to possibly 154, which will be the next weight up. And it would have to make sense for Pacquiao to do that. Triple G is already at 160, somewhere up there. I don't see Pacquiao jumping up two weight classes just to fight Triple G. I don't see it. Nowadays, it's really hard to make 147. So I, I personally, personally don't see that fight happening. If it's not at catch weight at 154, I just don't see that happening at all. Fury versus Wilder, the trilogy. Well, I like I like um, Tyson Fury. I give him a lot of credit for his last two fights. Um, I thought that it was a draw the first fight. And then the second fight, I thought he showed uh, a performance of dominance. He did really well against Deontay Wilder. And that's the first time I've ever seen Deontay Wilder fighting like that to where we didn't see the Deontay Wilder that we're accustomed to seeing. That was my first time ever seeing that. But I don't think we'll see it again. I think with this trilogy, I think he's going to beat Tyson Fury for sure. I think so. And the reason why I say that is because, <clears throat> number one, the pressure is now on Tyson Fury, if you think about it. Because he's already made an agreement in principle with Joshua. And that's based on the fights that they must win prior leading up to, the, to, to that fight happening in England. Now, I'm not sure if that fight is going to take place, win or lose. 
I'm not sure if that if that's what the agreement is. But as far as I'm concerned, they both agreed that they would fight sometime in 2021. But I do believe Deontay Wilder, we're going to see a different Deontay Wilder. I, I think he felt embarrassed, beat. Um, and he might have felt even worse than that. But I do believe that Deontay Wilder is going to be Fury this time around. I don't see him exercising. Because he had. A, you guys got to remember, he had a 30-day window where he had to exercise his rematch clause. So at that point, why would you exercise a rematch clause if, if you're not ready? So Deontay Wilder is going to be ready. And I think that whether he was lackadaisical or whether he overlooked Tyson Fury, whatever he did doesn't make a difference. The reality of it is, is this. You're going to get a hungry Deontay Wilder, and that's a scary Deontay Wilder. I'm going to let you guys know that right now. And don't be surprised when he beats Fury. Don't be surprised at all, because I'm not. Because I'm already knowing the Deontay Wilder that we're going to see. I already know. Now, going forward, Joshua and Fury. What are my thoughts on that? Well... Let's, let's start off with this. Joshua and Fury, the winner, would take on Usyk. Uh, that's what the w, WBO commission is saying right now. Uh, what I think, I think Joshua and Fury is going to be a great, great fight. I believe that Joshua is actually going to test Joshua's skills. And both of them are from England, so it makes sense for both of them. But I believe that it only makes sense for Joshua at this point if Fury's the champion. If Fury's not the champion, then it doesn't make sense for Joshua. If it's really a if if it's a business decision, if it's about business, it doesn't make sense for Joshua at this point. And it's the same thing with Wilder. It doesn't make sense to fight Wilder if Wilder is not coming in with the title. Because then you're talking about being the number one contender. So then it makes sense for Joshua or Fury to fight the number one contender based on where they stand amongst the pack in terms of whether you're the unified champion or whether you're the WBA champion, regular champion, whatever, whatever it is, whatever your status is. It just makes sense if you're if you're some type of champion in that division right now, I'm hearing and this is just rumors. There's a possibility that Terrence Crawford could fight Manny Pacquiao, Kell Brook, Ugas is what I talked about, or Sean Porter. Now, when I look at those those contenders and say, okay, well, this is a possibility. Sean Porter, what people people don't understand is this: Sean Porter's a bulldog. He's a bulldog, man. He's, he he earned my respect in that Spence fight for sure, which I thought was a draw, and I, I'm gonna stand on that. But I do believe that Terrence Crawford, it makes sense for him to fight Manny Pacquiao. It, it makes sense. It makes it makes sense on, on two levels. One, it makes sense in terms of financially. It makes sense in terms of uh, competitiveness. And it would be the biggest fight in boxing in terms of the welterweight division at 147. 
Terrence Crawford is 36 and 0 with 27 KOs. So out of 36 fights, he moved up what, maybe two or three weight classes, dominated the last two weight classes he was in, and then moved up to 147. Wins the title at 147. So then he struggles in the last fight that he had, but then when he switched up to Southpaw, he completely destroyed that guy in the second half of the fight. Terrence Crawford is a bad dude, and I think that top rank, that's his promoter, top rank needs to make this fight happen. I, I like, what I see is that I would like to see Terrence Crawford fight Kell Brook in England. I think that would be a good money fight too. But then again, it's like, well, what kind of Kell Brook are we going to get? Are we going to get somebody that's actually going to really fight Terrence Crawford? Or are we going to get the same Kell Brook that gets his behind kicked all the time? Which one are we going to get? Yugas is a tough brawler. That guy, that guy's tough. I think that he would lose to Terrence Crawford, but I think he's worthy of a shot, at least. Sean Porter, I think Sean Porter would make sense. So either Manny Pacquiao or Sean Porter, it would make sense for Terrence Crawford at this particular time to fight either one of those guys. I think Sean Porter would really get his skills tested. I believe that Sean Porter at that point would be fighting the best possible fighter possible if he couldn't get the rematch with Spence. I think it would only make sense for uh, his career. So those are my, my thoughts on boxing itself. I know there's a lot of fighters out there that feel, hey, well, I'm ready for this, I'm ready for that. Um, I was also told, somebody had told me yesterday that Javante Davis is not ready for Lomachenko. Well, here's my deal on that. Javante Davis would whoop Lomachenko period. I'm letting you know now. Nobody wants to fight Javante Davis, which is why Javante Davis moved up a weight anyway. He, 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 he can't go back down. He can't go to 130 because the only way he's going to go back down to 130 is if uh, Leo Santa Cruz is there and that's where they want to fight at. Leo Santa Cruz looks like he might have to come up to fight Javante Davis at 135. It just depends. What we also must remember is this, is that nobody's coming to see Lomachenko. Lomachenko is fighting on ESPN. Lomachenko ain't fighting on pay-per-view. And Javante Davis is fighting on Showtime pay-per-view, which is, which is bigger when you talk about platform boxing. When you talk about boxing on a platform, Showtime is way bigger. Showtime is way bigger platform, Showtime pay-per-view. So he's not fighting anybody else unless it's on pay-per-view, period. So if it's, if it's Lomachenko, he's not fighting Lomachenko on ESPN. Now, ESPN would have to do a co-promotion with Showtime in order for that fight to even happen, before that conversation can even happen. Because you guys, you guys also got to remember, Javante Davis is with Mabel of the Promotions. And so those conversations will would have... Uh, top rank would have to talk to Mayweather Promotions and they would have to come up with some type of co-promotional agreement with Leonard Ellaby and Al Heyman so Leonard Ellaby and Al Heyman would have to sit down with top rank 
and that's how that deal would have to get made. That's the and, and that has to be a unification belt that I see on pay-per-view. But when you're talking about um, a household name, and no disrespect to Lomachenko, but Lomachenko is not fighting on Showtime. Lomachenko is not fighting on the big platforms. It's just like um, Devin Haney. Devin Haney's not fighting on Showtime. Devin Haney's fighting on the Zone, an app. I don't need the Zone. Like that's not. There's just no way. Uh, Mayweather Promotions is going to do anything where Javante Davis is fighting on the Zone. That's not going to happen. And that's that's already been said by Leonard Ellaby, if I'm not uh, mistaken. But I, I wanted to go back to the Billy Joe Saunders and Caleb Plant at 168. A lot of people don't really know much about Caleb Plant, uh, but he's a he's a good he's a good technician in terms of you know his skill set. I think Billy Joe Saunders would be a great fight for him. I think that it would really test to really see if he's worthy of maybe a Canelo Alvarez down the road. Because if he did beat Billy Joe Saunders, then Caleb Plant would be the new WBO and IBF super middleweight champion. That would be enticing to uh, Canelo, knowing that he could probably unify the super middleweight along with the middleweight. So those are two different titles. Because he's already went up to light heavyweight and won a title. Not once, but twice. So... And vacated both of them. So I'm looking at it from what makes sense to Canelo Alvarez. What what makes sense at this point? What makes sense I, in terms of being the face of boxing and being able to dictate, you know, who you're gonna fight, who's worthy, and what's gonna make you millions and millions of dollars at that point. It was crazy because somebody was telling me about the situation between Javante Davis upset with Mayweather. At this particular time, I don't think Javante Davis, if if it's true, I'm not sure if it's true. Again, you know, we have a lot of rumors, but I'm going to say this because I've seen a lot of the rumors where Javante Davis upset. Here's the thing. Right now, Javante Davis should not be upset with what Mayweather's doing in terms of training Devin Haney. Mayweather has already came out and said, Devin Haney is not fighting Javante Davis. That fight is not going to happen at all. The reason why it's not gonna happen is because he's training Devin Haney, okay? And I think that Devin Haney, in terms of him being the champion, I don't think I don't think he earned that title. I think that title was handed to him. He became the interim champion. To me, you got to fight somebody if you're gonna if you're gonna claim that crown. But on a more serious note, I don't think it matters who trains who. I think you have to go out there and perform every single every single fight like Mayweather did all 50 fights. You have to go out there and you got to demonstrate every single fight, no matter who your trainer is. Now, if it's about your trainer, then say that. If Mayweather's your trainer, say that. If he's not, then it doesn't matter. You got to go out there and perform like you have been 
that's just my opinion. I don't I don't think it's even worth even a topic of a conversation for Javante Davis because he's he's on the bigger and better things. I know somebody brought up about uh, what do I think about Adrian Broner. The thing about Adrian Broner is that Adrian Broner has to get a, has to get serious. That's first and foremost. But what Adrian Broner should do is challenge, reach out to a Danny Garcia, uh, maybe a Keith Thurman, uh, some of those guys, and maybe a Jesse Vargas. Fight Jesse Vargas again. The reason why I say that is because for Adrian Broner to get a title shot, he has to prove himself. He has to prove himself. People want to see a Broner that's going to come in and compete. They don't want to see an entertainer. They don't want to see a guy that's going to come out and talk shit during the press conferences and things like that. People don't want to be entertained. People want to see a great night of boxing, and they want to see the best Adrian Broner that they can see. Possible. That's what the fans want to see. This is not about him getting knocked out. This is not about him losing the Pacquiao. This is about Adrian Broner going in there and everyone seeing the best Adrian Broner possible. That's what this is about. And I just feel like at this particular time, the fans are just disappointed because we're not seeing that. We're seeing a guy who's talking a bunch of mess who hasn't performed any of the, any of the stuff that he's talked about. And I, I like Adrian Broner. That's my boy. But I'm just, I'm just calling it like it is. Real quick, uh, the NFL. I wanted to talk about Colin Kaepernick. And I wanted to speak on that. The reason why I wanted to speak on that was because of the fact that this is what frustrates me. Is now you want to give Colin Kaepernick an opportunity when four years ago he stood for the same cause. And now the president wants to, get, uh, wants to see him get an opportunity. The commissioner of the NFL wants to see him get an opportunity. Why? Because you got the whole world taking a stance based on police brutality because you felt the entire NFL was kneeling because it was disrespecting the flag when constantly we've been saying this for the past four years. It is not about the flag. It is about the injustice. It is about the fact that you got these cops pulling out these guns and they're shooting us for no reason, not even for probable cause. That's what this is about. That's what this is about. Colin Kaepernick stands for a cause. And you know what? He stood all by himself. Now he has a lot more support. But those that are sitting up there that were judging him at one particular time, this man lost his job and probably lost millions of dollars because he stood for a cause. Because it was more about standing up for what he believed in than making, not, making another dime from the NFL. And then you got people like Jerry Jones coming out and saying anybody who kneels during the flag will not be playing for the Cowboys. Well, I guess it's going to be a lot of us not playing for the Cowboys because guess what? I'm kneeling. Because the reality of it is, is I still haven't seen where there's going to be some accountability. I still haven't seen where uh, the injustice is going to stop. And I still haven't seen where it's okay to stand up for what you believe in versus sitting up here worrying about, okay, am I going to be able to feed my family? Am I going to be able to 
feed my family in the sense of saying, hey, let me stand up for a cause. I think that you have to stand up for what you believe in. Because that's what that's what all this protesting is about right now. It's about standing up for what you believe in. Now, some make it about a black or white issue. It's not about black or white. It's about police brutality. That's what this is. Racism still exists. Racism is a fine line between whether you're talking about business, opportunity, whatever, whatever, however you want to look at it. It's all through any topic you want to bring up. Sports doesn't make a difference. But this is about police brutality. It has to stop. And this is what Colin Kaepernick has been preaching for a long time, which was four years ago. Now he gets another shot. Now everybody wants to sign him. This is ridiculous. And in, in my opinion, I know he just wants to go out there and play football, but my, my question would be to Colin Kaepernick, why sign with the NFL team who, who didn't accept the same message you're preaching four years ago? You know, that's, that, that, would be my, that would be my question. I, I would never want to be a part of an organization that wouldn't give me a job for the same cause that I'm standing up right now. Because, again, if you decide to kneel and there's more police brutality, what does that mean? Does that mean that they're going to release Colin Kaepernick because he's kneeling again? I think NFL players, if you don't want them kneeling, then stay in the locker room. But you cannot take their right to protest or, or kneel. It's their constitutional right. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for uh, tuning into my show. I will see you soon. Everyone have a great day. And tune into all platforms whenever you get the opportunity. Um, I'm on Radio Public. I'm on Spotify. So whenever you get the chance to tune in, tune in. And we're going to try to come every single week and just, you know, really get down on the, on, the, on the podcast and talk about a little bit of everything. But that was just, you know, we talked about boxing and, and the NFL. And once more sports, you know, open up, then I'll, I'll talk about that. But thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for taking the time out to uh, check me out this morning. And we'll see you soon.